time to express yourself. Where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Good health and good sense are two of life's greatest blessings, Publilius Cyrus. Hello and welcome back to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.org. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music. iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. I'm Sydney Sa, and I'll be hosting today's show. We have an incredible lineup today, all about vaccinations. In segment one, reporter Arjun Clare will be talking about the innovation of vaccines. In segment two, I'll be interviewing Marisa Reichart, the critically acclaimed young adult author of A Shot at Normal. And in segment three, Sharanya Roy will be reporting on vaccines and creative writing. Hi, everyone. My name is Arjun Clare, and I'm happy to be coming to you again with another edition of Innovation Nation. Today's theme is vaccinations, a topic that is very hot right now with the COVID pandemic and new vaccines. And innovation has played a huge role in shaping vaccines, both new and old, and I'm super excited to dive into it today. Ancient vaccines can be traced hundreds of years to Buddhist monks who drank snake venom to confer immunity to snake bite and variolation, or the smearing of a skin tear with cowpox to give immunity to smallpox, which was practiced in 17th century China. But to understand how we got to modern vaccines, we have to go all the way back to 1796, when a man by the name of Edward Jenner created what is commonly seen as the first one. An English physician, Edward Jenner, is considered the founder of vaccinology, when in 1796, he inoculated a 13-year-old boy with vaccinia virus, or cowpox, and demonstrated immunity to smallpox. Following this, in 1798, the first smallpox vaccine that could be administered worldwide was created, and by 1979, smallpox was totally eradicated across the globe. This invention paved the way for vaccinations for all sorts of diseases. French chemist Louis Pasteur spearheaded experiments to develop a cholera vaccine, an inactivated anthrax vaccine. Play vaccines were made, 
And between 1890 and 1950, bacterial vaccine development increased rapidly with vaccines like the Bacillus Kalmethguerin, or BCG vaccine, which is still in use today, being made. People were starting to experiment with new technologies and develop whole cell vaccines that provided our bodies with the antibodies necessary to fight off these diseases. Then, in 1953, Jonas Salk announced over radio, much as I am now, that he had invented a vaccine that could prevent future exposure to polio. Up until this point, polio had been a horrible, life-threatening disease. The year before Salk made his announcement was an epidemic year for polio, with over 58,000 cases and 3,000 deaths. Obviously, polio was a problem, but how could someone fix it? It was a disease that attacked the nervous system and could cause varying degrees of paralysis. And as a fun side note, as many people might know, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt was partially paralyzed by polio in 1921 when he was 39 years old. But back to the story, Salk first conducted his research in viruses in the 1930s when he was a medical student at New York University, or NYU, and during World War II, he helped develop flu flu vaccines. In 1947, he became head of a research laboratory at the University of Pittsburgh, and in 1948 was awarded a grant to study the polio virus and develop a possible vaccine. By 1950, he had an early version of his polio vaccine. Salk's procedure was to kill several strains of the virus and then inject the benign virus into a healthy person's bloodstream. The person's immune system would then create antibodies designed to resist future exposure to polio. After testing it on himself, his family, and his former polio patients, Salk made his announcements, and the first safe and effective polio vaccine was made. This process of Salk creating a vaccine is an example of innovation at its finest. The process that he used where he used a a dead strain of a virus injecting into a person to then make the antibodies seems very simple to us nowadays. I mean, it's how we do almost every single vaccine. But back then, in the 1900s, it was totally new. Salk was able to quickly and effectively produce a vaccine through innovative methods. He made different strains of polio in the lab, killed them, and then used that dead virus, as I just mentioned, to produce antibodies inside the patients. As the years went by, new technology started to come out, building off of what older scientists like Salk and Jenner had started. For example, in 1986, there was the approval of the first vaccine based on recombinant technology, a hepatitis B vaccine that not only has reduced rates of infection in many countries, but was also the first vaccine to ever reduce cancer risk. This new recombinant technology was a huge innovation because it utilized microscopic DNA technology to create a vaccine. And it was an eye-opener for the possibilities it could have. Specifically, it worked by inserting the DNA encoding an antigen into bacterial or mammalian cells to express the antigen and then purifying it from them. Even today, in our modern world, where we are fighting and recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic, new technologies are still being used to make vaccines. The COVID-19 vaccine, for example, utilizes a totally new way of making vaccines, mRNA vaccines, and has opened up a whole world of possibilities. By editing the mRNA inside a cell, which is what gives the cell instructions to make proteins and trigger an immune response, the vaccines can have our cells make a copy of the specific spike protein that is found on the surface of the COVID-19 virus. 
Recognizing that spike protein doesn't belong in the body, our immune system will attack it and produce antibodies that will trigger it to act in the presence of a real COVID-19 virus. Although this technology has been in the works for over 20 years, ever since the last SARS COVID virus, scientists were able to, not produce, to produce not one, but two different versions of this vaccine and get it tested and approved in under a year, a nearly unbelievable record-breaking time. Vaccines in the past had taken years or even decades to produce and manufacture. So this new mRNA vaccine technology is one of the few positives to come out of the pandemic and another huge innovation for the medical field that has the unmeasurable potential. So there you have it. Those are just some of the many innovations in the field of vaccinations. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something new. Thank you so much, Arjun. Unfortunately, we're out of time for this segment. During the break, check out our website, www.bethestarur.org. And keep listening for more, as I'll be having a conversation with critically acclaimed author Marisa Reichart about her newest book, A Shot at Normal. Are you a teenager with lots to say, but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel and join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself be the star you are light up the flame that burns make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support be the star you are 501c3 a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women families and youth Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself. In this segment, I'll be interviewing YA novelist Marisa Reichart, who published the book A Shot at Normal earlier this year. 
Marisa Reichart is the critically acclaimed author of the young adult novels A Shot at Normal, Aftershocks, and Underwater. She has a Master of Professional Writing degree from the University of Southern California and dual degrees in English and American Literature and Creative Writing from UC San Diego. Before becoming a published author, Marisa worked in academic publications, tutored high school students in writing, and shucked oysters. These days, you can probably find her huddled over her laptop in a coffee house or swimming in the ocean. Marisa lives in Southern California with her husband, a public school teacher, and her daughter, who just began her first year in college. Written pre-pandemic, Marisa Reichardt's latest book is now read in a new light. A Shot at Normal focuses around 16-year-old Juniper Jade, who, after contracting the measles, sues her parents for the right to be vaccinated. Her parents are va anti-vaxxers. She's had no vaccinations, and this is now her mission. With the help of a boy she meets at the library, who might be more than a friend, she arms herself with an attorney and takes her parents to court. A Shot at Normal is a powerful and timely novel about justice, family, and taking your shot, even when it seems impossible. All right, so to start off our conversation, Marisa, I'd love to know more about how you came up with the idea for A Shot at Normal. Sure. First of all, I want to say thanks so much for having me here. Um, it's a it's an honor to get to talk to you. Um, the the idea for this book came to me when I was actually seeing people that I knew making the choice not to vaccinate their babies, and or putting it off or rescheduling, you know, um, stuff like that. And at the time, my daughter was older. And so she was participating in uh, sleepaway camps, public school, sports, all these sorts of activities that require vaccination. And so my brain just started working and thinking about what it might look like when the babies who I know whose parents are making these choices are the age of my daughter. And would there be resentment there? Would they miss out on social activities and would they not be happy with their parents for making those kinds of choices? And then it just became, well, what would, what would that look like if I wrote about a teenager who did feel that way? And there was Juniper Jade. <laughs> that's so amazing. I mean, obviously as a parent, there's a very personal connection to this story here. And the fact that you were able to express this in a creative outlet is just really great. So I know this book was written pre-COVID. How do you think the conversation has changed around this topic? Are there any things you would do differently if you'd known then what you know now? I mean, I think any author could always look at any book they've ever written and think I do something differently. I mean, I feel like a, my book are done when my editor tells me your book is done. Um, so of course there were there would definitely be things that I would do differently in light of the pandemic and what we've learned um, in a post-COVID world. But I actually think that what's so interesting about this book is that I did draft it in 2019. I turned in the last round of edits on it in March of 2020, about two weeks after we went into lockdown. But all of the conversations that Juniper seems to have with her parents are super relevant to the same kinds of conversations we're having now. Um, I just think that the lens that the book is being looked through um, is different. It 
it's taken on a bigger significance, I, I believe. Um, but basically, I mean, one of Juniper's main arguments is that she questions, like, what is my role in public health? What is my role in protecting the health of others, um, particularly somebody who isn't old enough to be vaccinated that she ends up passing measles onto, and she feels tremendously guilty about it. So I think those kinds of conversations are very much the same. They're just happening on a larger scale. I didn't you know, know about a COVID world. I didn't know about our entire country going into a lockdown, let alone the world. So, um, you know, it's it, in retrospect, it seems like just this handful of people are affected by measles and in um, a shot at normal, but it still fits the conversations that we're having around COVID very much. Definitely. I totally agree with what you're saying. So as a parent yourself and as an author, how did you balance Juniper's um, point of view with that of her parents? So, I mean, I think that a lot of conversations that happen around um, anti-vaccination or vaccine hesitancy, particularly with parents, um, there's a lot of, um, you know, they're painted with a very broad stroke. And I think that you know, it's multi-layered. And I think a lot of these parents are coming from a place of of love and feeling like they're making what is the best decision for their child and, and you know, feeling like they're protecting them in the best way that they know how. So as a parent myself, I certainly understand that. I would be willing to do anything for my child um, and to protect my child. However, I mean, for me personally, that includes vaccination. Um, so I, it wasn't super difficult to get into the mindset of Juniper's parents, but at the same time, it, it was frustrating because they would say things that um, I wish that they wouldn't say. They, were, they weren't as open-minded as I wish that they could be. I wish that they could sit down and have some conversations with um, a doctor, a pediatrician, or somebody like that, instead of just getting, you know, research on the internet, like a lot of people are doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this book deals with some pretty complex and very, like, timely themes. Uh, there's a lot to consider, and it's really thought-provoking material. Um, but, like, while Juniper deals with pretty heavy circumstances while trying to get vaccinated, um, we also, of course, can't miss that there's a really sweet romance going on, and some really great coming of age elements to a shot at normal. Uh, so what was it like to juggle those two aspects of Juniper's journey? Yeah, I feel like that for Juniper, as soon as she started taking steps toward um, fighting for rights for herself, as far as getting vaccinated, it just opened up the door to realizing all of the other things that she felt like she was missing out on. Um, Juniper's homeschool, because in California, you can't attend public school if you're not vaccinated. And so as a 16 year old girl, she's starting to think about these things that she feels like she's missing out on, um, these typical things, a Friday night football game or a school dance or eating in the cafeteria, which for some reason she thinks is exciting. Um, <laughs> And so I, I think that it, it gave the perspective of maybe helping people take a moment to understand that these things that we sort of 
take for granted as just being typical actually can be really meaningful and special. And I think that it, that's another aspect of the book that that has meant so much more when you're when you've had entire classes of students. Um, you know, my daughter was home online junior and senior year, and she ended up ironically missing out on a lot of the same things that Juniper did. And it was sort of a surreal thing as a parent to be thinking, okay, well, a year ago, I wrote about this girl who is a teenage girl that missed out on all of these same things that now my daughter's missing out on. And my whole point of it was to sort of point to, to draw attention to the fact that these things that we think are just sort of typical and take for granted are, are really special. And it felt like that even more when I was realizing that my daughter missed out on those same things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've touched on this a bit briefly before, uh, but I'd love to expand on this further. You seem to have some like really personal connections to this material. Could you just like explain a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, so first of all, yes, my husband is a public school teacher. So um, regarding COVID, he was he was in one of the first waves of people that were able to be vaccinated. And that became something that was really important in our family. Um, secondly, my mom contracted COVID. She was actually um, in and out of, of nursing homes and um, hospitals. She had some health issues going on uh, 2020 to 2021. But as a result of while we were all waiting for vaccinations, um, we weren't, my family wasn't able to go into any of the facilities to see her. They weren't allowing people in that weren't vaccinated. So my mom actually passed away in April. And the last time I saw her was when we took her to the emergency room in November of, of, um, 2020. So there's a part of me that this vaccination movement that's sort of happening right now has started to feel more personal because I just feel like I had such a personal loss of time with my mom. Like, I just feel, I, I try not to get angry about it. I try to, I try to be um, gentle about it, but I do sometimes find myself getting worked up mm-hmm. and, um, and, and wishing that things could have been different, but I know I'm not alone in that. I know I'm not the only person who um, suffered a loss during COVID and who wishes that they could have spent more time with family members and and things of that nature. Um, On top of that, my daughter is at a college that does have a vaccine mandate in place. Um, As a result, their COVID numbers are extremely low. Mm -hmm. And I feel like um, I've seen it in action in my own life, seeing, seeing how she's been able to have a pretty typical college experience. All of her classes are in person. She's not online. And um, I think that's been pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's so great that you're able to find like these personal connections and weave them into your story, Um, especially because a lot of the content and material that you're talking about is really relatable even to a teenage audience because, again, COVID is kind of a universal experience at this own point. Um, my, Like me, myself, I'd say I have also, I've been able to return to 
in-person classes because my high school has also really strongly recommended vaccinations. And I've been really able to return to that normal high school experience. Um, and it's just really interesting to see how vaccinations play out in like these school settings and in like my own personal life as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, and I'm so glad to hear that you've been able to go back to school in person like that. Um, I, I, that's, that's really all I want is for teenagers to be able to go back to school. That just makes me really glad. Mm -hmm. And this kind of leads into our next question, but what do you like most about writing for a teen audience? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, teenagers are the best fans out there. Um, I, I stand by that. They are passionate. They're, um, they just, they really care about these books and characters and they make the work feel so much more meaningful. And I, I just, you know, I've never, I've yet to come up with an idea that wasn't a teenage protagonist, that wasn't a story that would be for young adults. And I think that I'm, I'm where I'm meant to be is how I feel. And, mm -hmm. and when I found that, and when I found that place and I found that readership, it's just really truly been the most rewarding experience. I wouldn't want it any other way. I'm so honored to write for teenagers. That's really amazing to hear. Yeah. I'm so yeah. excited to hear about what you do next with your fan base. And especially, I'm sure your fan base can't wait to hear more about what you're going to do next. Um, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any advice for aspiring writers? I, especially because I can imagine some of your fans will probably be wanting to, you know, take these next steps in creative fiction worlds and writing and those types of areas. Absolutely. I, I think that my, my best piece of advice is to finish to finish a first draft of something. Um, I think a lot of times you, we can get stuck in the middle and want to quit and think it's too hard. But until you have a finished first draft, you don't really have something to go back and edit and fix and make pretty and um, get better and understand better what you're trying to do. So that's my number one piece of advice is to finish. Um, the second would just be, you know, read widely, uh, watch all the Netflix series that you want to watch, all those things that inspire you. Um, I think that the creative process can happen so much when you're away from the computer. You don't have to be at the computer physically writing. I think that like creative people are just always taking things in, you know, whether it's what somebody's wearing when they're um, going by the beach on a skateboard or a conversation that they're overhearing in line at Starbucks or um, anything of that nature. And the third would just be like, don't be afraid to be selfish with your time. I know that when you're just starting out, um, I mean, I, I, I experienced it myself. It was like, there were times where it was like, nope, I'm not going out this weekend because I want to stay home and write this chapter. And it was like, well, why are you staying home and writing when like you aren't, that's not your job yet, you know? And it's, and I think that it became my job because that was the attitude that I took. I, I was selfish with my time. I didn't have a problem saying no to things if what I really wanted to do was right. 
I cannot agree more with your advice about, you know, just going out in the world and exploring and just reading and watching as much as you can. I think that's exactly, you know, what teen writers need to hear right now. So soak it all in, especially right now. I feel like what is happening right now, and especially from the teen perspective and, and what teens are experiencing and, and what is, um, ending up becoming part of their fabric. These, these are the stories that we're going to want to hear later. And we're going to want to hear it from this perspective. So the more that you can be in tune, um, with what's going on and, and paying attention and taking note, we want to hear that. I'm dying to hear it. Exactly. That's such a good point. So your other two books, Underwater and Aftershocks, have really similar ripped-from-the-headline storylines to A Shot at Normal. Uh, I guess, could you just tell us a little bit about them, like their plot, um, what inspired you? Yeah, so Underwater um, takes place in the aftermath of a school shooting, and my main character becomes an agoraphobe um, after there's a shooting at her school. So it's really about her recovery, her work with a psychologist, and and taking one step at a time, literally, to to get back out the door. Um, the, my other book, Aftershocks, takes place when the big one, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake, hits California. Mm-hmm. And my character is actually trapped in the rubble with someone that she's just met and they can't touch each other and they can't see each other, but they can hear each other. So they have these conversations and it's interspersed with flashbacks. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I think that a little bit, I think the thing that all three of my books kind of have in common is writing about things that scare me. I mean, certainly having grown up in Southern California, you're always told it's, you know, the big one isn't a matter of if, it's a matter of when, um, yet somehow we all put it out of our heads because if you live your life constantly 24-7 thinking about when the earthquake's going to hit, you're not going to have much life. Um, And then as far as school shootings, I mean, that's obviously something that's in the headlines all the time. Again, my husband's a school teacher. My daughter was of school age, um, elementary school at the time that I wrote that, um, middle school by the time it was published. So it was just something that was very much a part of my life. And so a lot of times I, I write stories because I'm trying to work out my own feelings and emotions around a subject. And it just sort of helps me to understand and maybe come up with more of a plan and, um, and to be less afraid. I love that these themes in your books, they're just such relevant topics and especially to a teen audience today. I think that's probably why, you know, your works are so just critically acclaimed. I think it's what makes them fascinating and interesting to read. And it's definitely a theme I've been noticing in literature lately that authors have really been trying to push these hard topics, these hard, uncomfortable topics. And I think it's a really great direction to go in. I agree. And I think that it's really exciting um, when you really look at young adult literature and, and the 
the stories that are being told and the issues that are being addressed. I think, um, you know, let's not underestimate teenagers and what they're capable of consuming and understanding and, and working out and having conversations about. And I think that it's a wonderful place um, to start these conversations with so many of these books and stories that are out there. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're getting close to the end of our time. Where can our audience find you online? They can find me at my website, marisareichart.com, M-A-R-I-S-A-R-E-I-C-H-A-R-D-T.com. And there's links to upcoming events and interviews like this one and buy links to all the books and more information about all the books as well. I'm also on Twitter at, at young adultish and I'm on Instagram at Marisa Reichardt books. And I really should have made everything all go together, but I didn't do that when I was a brand new writer. <laughs> no, it's perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Marisa. It was so fascinating to hear about your book, a shot at normal. And I really can't wait to see what literary works you publish in the future. Uh, visit her website for more information and to buy the book, as she said, at www.marisareichardt.com. And as Marisa mentioned before, again, you can also find her on Twitter at Young Adultish and Instagram at Marisa Reichardt Books. Please show your love for more segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity at www.btsya.org. And stay tuned for segment three where we'll be listening to Sharanya and her segment, The Scribble. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The positive message outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org. Be the lucky star. Are you a teenager with lots to say, but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program, Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel and join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself.
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm your host, Sydney. Today, we'll be talking with reporter Sharanya Roy with her segment, The Scribble, where she'll be diving into vaccinations and creative writing. Sharanya, take it away. Thank you. Hi, everybody. My name is Sharanya, and welcome back to The Scribble. Today's topic is about vaccinations, and I'll be talking about the importance of vaccinations and copyrights. Vaccines protect us. In history, there have been many vaccines, like the polio or influenza vaccines. They help our body combat against the viruses that invade our immune system. In the current situation, the COVID-19 pandemic, scientists have developed vaccines, and it is important to get them. They not only protect us, but they protect the entire world. So I believe that we should do our part and take the vaccines, as we will not only be helping ourselves, but we will be helping our community. To stress the importance of vaccines, I've written this poem called The Vaccination Cure. I see you beds in despair, doctors and nurses with sweat beating onto their hair, the constant night shifts, and the red eyes of medical professionals. Families thinking about the farthest what-ifs, not knowing what will happen to their family who they can't see. People are trying to help, but feeling like they're failing. All of us looking outside wondering when this blanket of darkness will be lifted and we will all be safe from this tyrant called COVID-19. For a year, we all waited for some sort of protection, waiting for some supernatural force to come and save us from the outside world so we wouldn't be panicking if we saw a person only three feet away from us. And now that we have the vaccine, many of us are turning away. Scientists trying to persuade that the vaccination might help that we will be strong enough to lift the blanket of darkness and a matter of health has politics embedded. The main barrier to getting back to that place and time where we said hello to people we didn't know, where we smiled when people came to talk to us. The main obstacle to getting there is the fight against vaccines. Vaccines are a strength. The reason many diseases have been eradicated from the world. But as humans, some of us still don't think COVID-19 is a threat. The triage teams that were called, the tears of families, people thought these weren't the symptoms of a pandemic, but they are. And the only way to cure the pandemic is to vaccinate the world. Thank you. Like the vaccination protects us, Writers have something that protects their writing called copyrights. 
Did you know in the United States, the moment you write something of your own, it is protected? Nobody else can use it except you. If somebody actually does copy your work without crediting you, that would be called plagiarism. Plagiarism is very wrong ethically. Legally, plagiarism is not a crime, but it is a very serious offense in the world of writing. One way all of us can use others' writing while respecting them is by using quotation marks. When you're using somebody else's text, put quotation marks around the copied text. Then you can cite the quote in the footnote, or you could add who said or wrote the text after the quotation marks. Thank you, Sharanya. So expanding a bit more on plagiarism, uh, could you explain more about how plagiarism isn't illegal? So plagiarism isn't illegal, but a serious offense in the academic world. And many students actually get suspended or even expelled after plagiarizing. And I think plagiarism is a blatant disregard for the hard work writers put into their work. Although plagiarizing is not illegal, counterfeit fraud is. This is when a person tries to copy a brand and replicate their products without the company's consent. This is kind of like plagiarism, since you're copying somebody else's work. Does plagiarism often go unnoticed? Um, in many cases, people think that plagiarism is okay and you're just helping out your friend, but that is not true. If you have an idea, you should be the one to present it. Also, many students have plagiarized in the past, but there's a side of it that the media overlooks, where professors or teachers plagiarize from the student. Many students don't report this to authorities as they're afraid their grades will suffer for exposing plagiarism. Plagiarism is serious offense and whoever did it should face its repercussions. Were there any famous cases of plagiarism where you believed the repercussions weren't fair? Uh, in Ohio University, a student had to disembark from her semester at sea program after being accused of plagiarism. The student, Allison Routman, was expelled after she was accused of copying parts of three sentences from Wikipedia and paraphrasing a synopsis. The parts of the sentences she copied were when the Germans attacked the Soviet Union during Operation Barbarossa, German-speaking minority outside of Germany, and who had just been released from a concentration camp. These sentences have structures that many people could accidentally imitate. Plagiarism is purposefully copying without honoring the source you got the text. So how do people know if you have plagiarized? During the time of online learning, we had unlimited access to the internet and we could practically copy anything off any website. And our teachers wouldn't know as the internet is a vast place. To combat this, many of our teachers installed plagiarism checkers to make sure we didn't copy other people's work. In plagiarism, does the amount copied matter? The amount does not matter. If you copied a few lines or the entire text, 
you will still have had the intent to do it. Many people sue plagiarizers when they've copied a mere two sentences. Since plagiarism is so dishonorable, any amount copied is considered a misdeed. All right, thank you so much, Sharanya. Unfortunately, that is all we have for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially our audio engineer, Josh. Thank you to our guests from across the world, and a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. For more information about Be The Star You Are charity, visit www.bethestarur.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Express Yourself Radio. Protect yourselves and others, and please get vaccinated. Always remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars to shine. Between the lines If you would let yourself